0: Your challenges don't define you. How you deal with them does. So, are you ready to recover from
1: reality? I realized in that moment that my mom did the best that she could. My mom carried me in her womb. My mom allowed me to eat from her body, to take the minerals from her teeth and bones. Her hair got thin and fell out. I came out of her womb. She suffered through that. My father beat her and I was born prematurely. She went through that. She nursed me from her own breasts. I shit on her, pissed on her. She cleaned it up. She held me. She did the best that she could, right? And that woman I had spent 33 years hating and resenting like a fucking idiot because I was the victim and someone touched my naughty spot and my mom didn't love me and my dad beat my mom. By the way, I didn't get high for any of those reasons. I got high because it fucking felt great and because I'm a selfish little shit. That's why I got high. And that all happened in that night. I realized I had been living like a piece of shit and I had completely destroyed my life. And I made a pact that night with myself and with God that I was going to be fucking rich and I was going to take care of my mom and I was going to take care of any woman that ever came into my life to the best of my ability.
0: That was a quick clip from this week's episode from my dear friend Khalil. I'm so excited that he came on the podcast. You guys have been asking for him to come on for a while now. And I am so stoked because he was a part, a big part of my early uh, sobriety, and I'm just so grateful that he uh, decided to join us. He is an author, speaker, health, fitness, entrepreneur. He is the owner of Sun Life Organics, a rapidly growing chain of popular juice and smoothie bars in California. He also owns Malibu Beach Yoga. He is the founder of Riviera Recovery. And. He also wrote a badass book called I Forgot to Die. He is coming on the podcast today, and we are diving into so many topics that I'm just going to say, let's go right now. I'm not even going to list them all. Um, but we're talking about recovery, we're talking about extended healing, we're talking about business, entrepreneurship all of the things. Um, And I just want to give a a shout out to you guys. I'm so grateful for all of the support uh, of this podcast. You guys, really, I just, the amount of support that I get from you guys, just, it never goes unnoticed, whether it's you guys messaging me in my DMs and asking me questions, joining our Facebook group, sharing this podcast, writing reviews, It really, really means so much to me, so I just wanted to take a second and And, um, you know, share with you a few things that people have written about this podcast in the last couple of days. And it's just really, really so sweet. Someone put helpful and soothing, very eye opening and honest. I find this podcast so inspirational. I recommend it for anyone dealing with addiction, depression, anxiety, or who just wants to hear about a story slash point of view that may just change your perspective. Love it. One of my favorite podcasts to listen to. Alexis's story is so inspiring. And listening to how other people with similar or different situations have overcome their hardest struggles to do better for themselves and the people they love is amazing. And a great listen. If I could give it six stars, I would. Thank you guys so much. You have no idea how much it means to me. I love you all. I'm sending you healing, loving vibrations this week. And with that, here is Khalil's episode. Quick break from today's episode to talk to you guys about Laurel Springs. As parents, we want to encourage our children to pursue their dreams and provide opportunities for them that give them the best chance to succeed. Sometimes that means optimizing their routine or making it more flexible, more dynamic, so they have the time to focus on the things that they love. That's why there's Laurel Springs. Laurel Springs is an accredited online private school for students in kindergarten through 12th grade. Laurel Springs recognizes that each child is a unique individual with their own personal interests, special talents, and unique learning style. Their flexible learning program offers challenging and diverse elective courses as well. And Laurel Springs is accredited by the Western Association of Schools and Colleges and Advanced ED, which means that their transcripts are recognized by colleges and universities worldwide. I personally was homeschooled towards the end of my middle school career, and it was perfect for me. I needed to get out of the traditional school system as someone who's definitely more um, artistic and left brain and a kinesthetic learner, meaning that I learned doing more like hands-on activities rather than repetition, repetition, repetition. It worked really well for me. And now I have a first grader. My daughter, Harper, is seven. And I am seriously considering homeschooling her just because I think that she she would do better in a homeschool environment, and Laurel Springs is perfect for this because they provide everything that I would need to homeschool her so I don't have to do all of that extra work. It would free up her ability to be at dance class and jujitsu class more, which are two things that she is really passionate about. Right now you can register your child at laurelsprings.com/reality today and receive a waived registration fee. That's laurelsprings.com/reality for your waived registration fee. laurelsprings.com/reality. Now back to the episode. What a lot of people don't know before we dive into this is that we've known each other for, like, nearly a decade now. Isn't that a freaking trip to think about?
1: Yeah. I went into
0: treatment in early 2010, and you just had the one sun life in Malibu. Yeah. (laughs) But I'll never forget how sweet this was. It was maybe a year into my sobriety. And I, and I'd known you from the community that the recovery community in, in Malibu is so epic. It's Mm. really kind of a family vibe there. Yeah. And while people come and go because treatment centers, they leave, they go home or whatever the core group that stayed, it really was like a special bond that I still have with so many of those people today. But I think what's so awesome is, um, my sister Tess and I came to you with no resources, no options. We didn't know what we were going to do to get to treatment, and you found her a bed.
1: Yeah, I, I remember that like it was yesterday and I, I remember my my heart hurting so bad and looking at her and you could just you could you could see the pain that she was in from a mile away. And, and such a beautiful girl. I mean, obviously, both of you are incredibly be- beautiful. But to look at this girl and to know what she was going through and to know firsthand what it's like to live like that, to live in... in in such pain and in such incomprehensible demoralization, I always screw that up. But I it's
0: think a I it. it's a tongue twister. It's a tongue twister. It is. But to,
1: you know, to see her like that, it, it killed me. And 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 just the, the fact that I could just kind of put my hands together. People that are listening can't see this, but like you know, when when we were kids and we were trying to get over fences, we would put our hands together, join them like yes, that, and, push and then their foot up. Yes, and yeah, push their foot up Get and them like, up
0: over. Yeah,
1: that that's like that's who I want to be, and that's what I want to do. Yeah, and um. And yeah, and we were both able to do that, and and she's doing good, huh? She is. Oh,
0: my God. That's so great. glory, right? And just so much grace and so much gratitude for, you know, that wasn't her last time in treatment, but it allowed her to experience what a little bit. I think sometimes we just relapse is a part of our story because we just need to have those little glimpses of what can... Life can actually look like. And sure, we self sabotage and we pull back and yeah. we have to, you know what I mean? It's hard to stay the course for that long until you can kind of really experience the miracles. But even those small glimpses are such
1: gifts. Yeah. You yeah. know,
0: did you experience relapse on your no, journey? No, no, no,
1: no. My, I mean, my, my thing is like in hindsight, it's like, it, you know, it's pretty simple to figure out. Like, I, there was no one to, no one or no thing to fall back on. Like my mother was flat broke, living below the level of poverty. And my father and I hadn't spoken in years. We've never had a relationship. We still don't have a relationship. So there was no family. There was no resources. I was homeless. I was penniless. I was 109 pounds last time I was weighed. I'm 154 pounds now. So it doesn't even seem physically possible, but I was 109 pounds, um, completely shot out. Veins collapsed, scabies, ringworm, some sort of mites or bugs, or I don't know, it could have been coke psychosis as well, but something yeah. crawling all over me all There's the no time. There's no worse
0: feeling than no. when you're up at 2 a.m. picking through your skin the and shifting the carpet to try to find like a little, little grain of yeah. heroin that you like might've like dropped on the floor from yeah. your baggie. It's like, ugh.
1: A million times I was, I was there. And just filthy, shot out, homeless, um, You know, I had hit the bottom years earlier and then just grabbed a shovel and and kept kept digging. Yeah. So for me, um, no, there was no, there was never like, oh, I wonder if I could still smoke pot or I wonder if I could have a glass of wine or I wonder if I could, that didn't come till many, many years later into my recovery, but my life got so awesome that I didn't want to risk it. Yeah. Right.
0: And I don't think people understand that because the same I've had that same experience where it's like, well, maybe I'm fine now, especially because I got sober when I was 19. Right. I'm like, well, I did have a lot of trauma and I've done a lot of work on myself. So maybe I could just, you know, whatever or whatever. And, and then what the next thought was is, but do you even need it? You yeah. Have such a fucking amazing life. Yeah. Without yeah. it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, but you know, addiction is addiction is addiction and I'm still just as much an addict as, as ever, probably even more so. But the difference is, is now it's doing sauna every day or exercising every day or, or, you know, listening to podcasts, listening to books on audible, um, building businesses. Um, and I don't mean this in like some altruistic sense, but like helping people is an amazing drug helping people out, like you made a reference to me, you know, playing a tiny little part in in helping your sister get into treatment, but like your sister benefited from that, but who ultimately benefited? Who got to feel like a rock star that day, right? And every time I heard back like, yeah, she's in, she's doing well. I think Bob was there at the time, Bob Forrest. Yeah. Yeah, so when I get to help people, um, it feels awesome, and and by helping people, sometimes it's massive, big things, financial things. A lot of times, it's nothing more than a smile or a well-deserved compliment. But that that I'm addicted to that. I'm addicted to feeling great. So the exercise, the yoga, the sauna, all that stuff, coupled with the success, which is also an addiction, right? Making money, providing jobs for people. Um, to go from a homeless junkie living under a bridge to employing over five hundred people today. I wake up every day, I don't physically pinch myself, but I wake up every day and I metaphorically pinch myself. Not, Mm. not when I first wake up. When I first wake up, I'm, I'm full of overwhelming (laughs) depression, an overwhelming sense of impending doom, anxiety. Um, but once I can get a coffee in me and I can, you know, just breathe a little bit and my cat comes up and starts biting my face and it's just sort of this weird game that we play. Um, and then I'll go for a walk on the beach, on Zuma beach, or I'll go for a walk in Zuma Canyon and then come back and jump in one of my saunas. Talk about addict. I have two saunas. I've got the, (laughs) I got the giant of them both. Yeah. I have the giant barrel sauna, the traditional rock sauna. And then I have the far infrared sauna upstairs and, um, once I do that, I'm feeling pretty good. And then even if I'm not feeling really good, my first stop is always the Point Doom store, which is my original location. I own Sun Life Organics for anybody who doesn't oh, know.
0: We'll do an intro. Oh, Don't okay. Worry. okay. I recorded separately. Everybody okay. will know. Okay,
1: so <laughs> I go in there and there's uh, a few young ladies who work in there, Liza and Hallie and just a roll. Ray has gone now. But they have like this amazing ability to- Pick me apart from the moment I walk in the door, and make fun of me in a way that like rivaled any like hazing I would have experienced in high school. I mean, they will the shoes, and you know they'll start imitating me, and I will be laughing like wiping tears out of my eyes within five minutes of walking in that store, and then you know little old ladies are coming in and and giving me a kiss on the cheek and you know, guys are coming in and high-fiving me and and it's just, I'm a part of a community and that, that I'm addicted to that now.
0: That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say that you've built a community and that's what I'm doing here of, of people who are on the path, you know what I yeah. mean? And like doing the work and yeah. interested and you're surrounding yourself with that vibration and people are attracted to that. And I really think that, And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but part of your success and growth is that vibe, is that energy there, that the employees are happy to work there, that they enjoy the space, that the customers come in, they enjoy the space. I mean, it just works in this like perfect flow. Since we're diving into health in this episode, I thought that I would share some tips with you guys about how I get my healthy looking skin. You guys, my favorite line is Osea. I've been using their products for years and I am a huge fan specifically of the white clay mask. It is divine. I can't say enough good things. That mask is hydrating and it's taking care of like all of my pore issues. Big, big fan. Osea puts your health and the health of our planet first with potent skin and body care solutions that are pure, safe, and effective. Osea stands for the elements of wellness, ocean, sun, earth, and atmosphere. Their entire line is built on these four pillars and pulls from botanical sources around the world to create the products that are truly effective. Each product is infused with sustainably sourced, organic Patagonian seaweed and active botanicals that create a nutrient and mineral-rich bioavailable base. When I use this product, I can feel it absorbing into my pores that is amazing. Osea can help reveal and illuminate your natural radiance, whether you're looking for hydration, oil balancing, anti-aging, or blemish solutions. Every product is sustainably packaged, non-toxic, cruelty-free, vegan, and made with love in sunny Southern California. If you're in the LA area, stop by Osea Venice Skincare Studios for a facial that will bring forth your inner glow. You guys will often see me in there. I'll be heading in there next week to get an awesome customized facial. Right now, you can go to oseamalibu.com slash recovering for $10 off your first purchase of $50 or more. Free shipping in the U.S. on orders of $75 plus and a free sample with every order. And now back to the episode.
1: There is a vibe, not just there, but in all of the stores that it's palpable. You walk in and you feel there's something magical there. Now I can very easily break it down for you. I was obsessed with anarchy as a kid, and I was obsessed with, uh, there was a movie called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with, with Jack Nicholson, where he was a mental patient, but he took over the whole ward. He literally took over the place and started making up his own rules, and at, at, at you know would break them all out and take them fishing and do shit that you just can't do. You're not allowed to do that, and that vibe because I've always hated jobs and I've always hated bosses, always. I mean, I got fired from every job I ever had. I am literally unemployable. I
0: know, I love when you say that, because I am too. Unemployable. I can't do it.
1: Cannot, you would fire me within 72 hours, anybody would. So I created this vibe where there is no boss. I created this vibe. Like if I walk into any Sun Life and those people are not smiling when I walk in the door, I've failed as a business person. People want to talk about P&Ls and EBITDA and all this shit that I don't even understand and don't want to understand. What I care about is providing a drug and alcohol environment, a drug and alcohol-free environment for people to come and to nourish themselves so they can face the challenges of their day and where people can come and get a job. Many of them, it's their first job and experience what it's like to... Be around happy people, and you're working with fruits and vegetables, and you're working with really, really cool customers. So, yeah, there's something, there's something special going on there. And the interesting thing is, so Sunlight Organics, I mean, this is my, you know, this is my brand. This is the name I came up with, the lotus as the symbol, which was my symbol from my Vedic astrology because Lakshmi is my deity, and her symbol is that pink lotus. So, all of this was sort of like placed in my lap by divine feminine energy. Sun Life is a very, I mean, it's girl power. It's a a girl's brand, which is really interesting because it was created by a man, but it wasn't created by me. It was handed to me through divine feminine energy. I was tapped on the shoulder and, you know, look, you little moron, high school dropout, convicted felon, you know, ex-junkie, can't spell, can't type. I'm gonna place into your lap something that is sacred, and your job is to be a conduit or to be a catalyst to bring this forth onto the planet, right? Yeah. And it was against all odds. There was no chance in hell it was ever going to happen or ever going to work. And here we are with 14 locations, two of them now out of state, we'll do like 17 million in revenue this year. It's in it's insanity. Brilliant. It's the, we're serving thousands and thousands of people a day and providing hundreds and hundreds of jobs for people and for a guy that was living under a bridge who hated himself and wanted to die and was always a victim and was always living like a piece of shit and a liability to anybody and everything to now be an asset it, it it it's amazing.
0: Let's dive into the book and into your story. The book is I Forgot to Die. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Am I, oh that, that's it, yeah. I'm going to double the, check that.
1: No, <laughs> oh, I Forgot to Die is the first one. The yeah. second one's coming out soon, which is oh. uh, Remembering to Live, Lessons I Learned Crawling Out of Hell.
0: Oh, I love it. Thank you. Yeah. So let's dive into your story because I just think that for people who hear us, I, I get asked in my DMs every single day, how have you done it? How have you done it? How yeah, have you done same. it? Twice convicted felon, barely made it out of high school, yeah. chaotic family, no relationship with your, all of the stuff. Yeah, How do you get here? But I think that it's also important for people to hear just exactly like how bad it was.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I alluded to it a little bit Earlier, you know, at my bottom, at 109 pounds, with the bugs mm-hmm. crawling all over me and the scabies and the, you know, the, the scabs all over my face. Um, but that, I mean, that was the physical component to it. The how bad it was was just literally wanting to die, praying for death, not having the guts to kill myself. I did one intentional overdose where I flatlined, but they brought me back with a defibrillator what I found on the other side of intentionally taking your own life was not good. It was not a white light. There were not angels waiting for me. I I really, really, truly, wholeheartedly believe taking your own life is a massive, massive mistake. Now, I don't know what happens when we die of natural causes or, or whatever, or getting hit by a bus or whatever, but I do feel that there is much, much more to this. I don't feel, I don't think this ever started and I don't think this will ever end. I think we're on some sort of a, some sort of a figure eight.
0: It's interesting because a lot of people, a lot of my friends are dabbling into plant medicine as a Mm -hmm. way to expand or heal from severe sexual abuse or whatever it might be. And they're all coming back to me and saying the same thing. What's interesting is that's how I was raised in in the more Buddhist philosophy of like, this is just, this is never ending. It's just, you know, we're coming and going and we're going to continue to repeat the same patterns until we learn from them. And then we're able to come down and have another life that looks different. And then we learn some more.
1: It feels like that to me, but back to the, back to the taking my own life and not finding anything but darkness and and being... A, a a type of cold that I could never describe, but it was dark and it was cold and it was not okay. And thank God those paramedics. I was on Cuthbert up on um, up above Zuma Beach, and thank God those paramedics showed up. I'd been dead for eight minutes, and they brought me back with a defibrillator. My life was a wilderness of pain. My you know to to paraphrase, and I don't I don't want to bore anybody with my my sad little Cinderella story. But my parents were immigrants. My parents came from different countries, different religions. Um, there was a lot of abuse, a lot of neglect, and a lot of sexual abuse. And the sexual abuse um, and the neglect continued all throughout my childhood. The last time I was sexually abused, I was 11. It was the most traumatizing of all um, because it was somebody that I really, really looked up to. I worshiped him. I mean, I I really did. He was my swim coach and he was like late thirties, just a, a beautiful man, tall, medium length hair, beautiful girlfriend. Um, some kids, unfortunately, that she had from a previous relationship. And here was this guy who I just, I, I worshiped. I looked up to him. Everybody laughed at his jokes. Everybody wanted to be like him. And he had convinced my mother it was a good idea that he take me camping. And needless to say, I never laughed at his jokes again. And what took place on that weekend, on that camping trip, is something that broke me in a way that that the previous you know, however, five, six, seven years of sexual abuse had not. But what happened when I was alone and screaming and no one could hear me, um, was much, much different from the, the previous stuff that had happened to me. So, um, I, I broke and I shattered and I, I immediately began to act out. I immediately began shoplifting obsessively, um, having sex. I mean, at, 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 12 years old intercourse, but even prior to 12 years old, when I was 11, after that happened, just any type of, you know, masturbating five times a day, eating junk food, smoking weed, drinking, anything, anything and everything that I could do to not admit what had happened or feel what had happened or face what my life was. Um, My father hated me. My father did not like me. My mother was incapable of loving me in a way that a child should be loved When I went to my mom and asked her, this is prior when I was much, much smaller, but when I went to my mom and asked her to stop someone from sexually abusing me and I was pulling on her arm, she didn't even look down at me. She just said, he's tickling you. And she like shushed me away. And so I was unlovable and I was in a great deal of pain and I did anything and everything I could to not feel that pain. And that just was a self-fulfilling prophecy that, that just went on and on and on and on, and it sucks. And it was a miserable, miserable, miserable existence. And that went on until I was 33 years old. And then, you know, how do we go from, because the headlines are, if you Google my name, like, you know, homeless junkie, now millionaire, or, you know, ex-crack addict now flying around on his private jets yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And it's just- It's
0: like, how do we get to peace and yeah. equilibrium? How
1: do we stay sober? Yeah. <laughs> how do we How do yeah. we have peace of mind? And, you know, and if you guys do look at my Instagram, you are going to cringe a little bit because it is very- glossy and flashy and there is a lot of very pretentious shit on there. But if you bother to read the captions, on on almost every caption, I will always Same. say, this is not yeah. my jet. This is not my penthouse. This is not my vacation. I was-
0: I was literally on stories last night crying my eyes out going, you guys think this is my real life and my real life is not this. No. My real life is my daughter, my four-year-old waiting up at 9 p.m., peeking through the curtains, seeing if mommy's finally home because I am working so much right now. My real life is like hustling my ass off and feeling like I can't juggle all of this and feeling like I'm failing every part of my life and all of these struggles that we go through. Instagram is not reality. No, it's not real. Thank you to my next sponsor, Way, for helping me to achieve this effortlessly chic, bouncy, beautiful hair. You guys have been raving about my new haircut and new hairstyle on Instagram and in my DMs. And I am super grateful. My... Fave 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 product line for supporting this look is Way. Way was created by celebrity hairstylist Jen Adkin. New York Times calls her the most influential hairstylist in the world. She wanted to create the first socially connected hair care brand to drive the conversation and innovations in the hairstyling world. Simplified hair routines and realistic hair goals that you can actually achieve, that is a must for me. They're asking their community what products they want instead of telling them what they need. They've developed this new line of shampoos and conditioners for fine, medium, and thick hair, formulated to be an all-in-one solution For the most pressing hair concerns facing each hair type to optimize the health of your hair. I personally use the medium. I have thick hair all over, but fine strands individually. So the medium works perfect for me. Shampoo and conditioners are all problem solution based. And there are so many options to choose from, but most people have multiple concerns that they want to address. All people want the same outcome. Healthier hair. Way wanted to simplify how you shop for your daily care. Each formula is created to be a one-and-done solution for your hair type to give your healthiest, most manageable hair ever. So they created new shampoos and conditioners for fine, medium, and thick hair. Bonus, bonus, bonus. They use eco-friendly packaging. You guys know that I am such a fan of all of the different brands out there that are switching to a more eco-friendly lifestyle. You can shop their new shampoos and conditioners for fine, medium, thick hair at theway.com. That's spelled O-U-A-I. Don't forget to use code REALITY to receive three free samples with your order. Now, back to this week's episode.
1: I mean, my life is amazing, but first of all, there's something really funny because I do get lots of weird people that like, oh, can you hook me up with Dan Bilzerian? Or like, oh, can you pay off Ugh. my student loans or, oh, can you, like, you know, I, I live a pretty modest existence and I live off of a very modest salary. I have a, I have millions of American Express points, thank God. I can fly <laughs> same, wherever I want, same. right? Same. For free. <laughs>
0: yeah, thank God for those business points, yes. baby. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah. I have a, I have a very wealthy friend who does fly privately and, you know, yeah, of course I'm insecure like everybody. So the first thing I'm going to do when we jump on a jet is I'm going to have somebody take a picture of me on that jet because I there's still a a little boy stuck inside this old man's body that wants people to like him. I want people to like Mm -hmm. me and to accept me and to think I'm cool and to hit like, you know, I'm I'm still crowdsourcing my self-esteem to a certain extent on social media, but I recognize it and I know how pathetic it is. And the excuse that I use is I sell a shitload of books through social media, right? I post a pic of the house I bought my mom, I get 400 likes. I post a pic of myself on a private jet, I get 2,800 likes. Isn't
0: that, okay. And this is what I keep talking about, about how sad we are. It is as a society that we are now being socially programmed through social media and it's not our fault. We're constantly being fed so many ads every day that now we don't associate like real life, just me cooking in the kitchen with my kid photos as as cool as me, you know, taking a picture with another, you know, YouTube celebrity or whatever
1: it might be. Right. Yeah. I find that shit fascinating. First of all, the really, really crazy shit, like I can tell you when we're not recording this, but I I, I think we've probably discussed this, but like when you're with like A-list people in Paris at the private party, you you can't take your fucking Mm -hmm. phone out. Mm -hmm. So the shit that I really want to brag about, I can't, I can't take pictures of it. And the things that really matter, like my girlfriend and the time that we get to spend together and the way that I now get to treat her because I've made so many mistakes in my past, that what makes my life amazing, you can't see it on Instagram. First of all, she's not on social media. She thinks it's silly. Um... And if I ever do do really nice stuff for people, I'm not going to fucking post about it. That's it, I know. You know, like when I saw all those people like bragging about how they were fighting the fires in Malibu, it's like put your fucking phone down and go help people and don't tell anybody, right? If you want to do good stuff and you want to get the rush and you want that rush to last, do great shit for people and don't tell anybody. There's nothing better than- My feeling
0: is kind of just like play the game. Social media for me, it's like we're playing the game with the end goal in mind being help as many fucking people as possible.
1: For sure. But unfortunately, most people don't know it's a game. And most women in particular, and young women in particular, who are, I saw this meme the other day that said- you know, it was like this 78-year-old man that said, it used to take me five dates to see a woman in her panties or underwear, but now I, all, all I have to do is scroll down on my phone, you know? And it like, it's so sad, like, because these girls are- The, young, are,
0: the super young, they don't know. They're they posing- just think that th- this is like the normal thing. And I'm not here to like slut shame and everyone can do what they want with their bodies. But I do feel like these young girls, these 17, 18, 19-year-olds especially- are heavily influenced by social media to be behaving this way?
1: Posing in porn-like poses. I've never seen porn, of course, but <laughs> posing, I'm guessing. <laughs> posing in porn-like poses yeah. when you're in your your teens and you're in your 20s and constantly, you know, using filters and shots of yourself in a G-string at a-
0: That have been face-tuned to yeah. make your butt bigger. I mean, and, I And mean, I get guys, it because guess what? I was a 19-year-old who was butt-ass naked yeah. or 17 ooh, on a Marilyn Manson music video set. You know yeah. what I mean? Just thinking that that was normal.
1: Right. And but you, it was
0: eating my soul a lot. Yeah, and
1: you know now as a mom with a daughter that that, yeah. that shit is not only meaningless, but it's harmful. And, and, for, and for women out there- You know, women out there are like banging pots and pans and wearing pussy hats and screaming that they want equality. And to me as a man, it just, it, it, it makes me shudder because women should not be fighting for equality. Women should be going inward and recognizing that they are not equal. They are superior, in every fucking yeah. way. We're the
0: creators of the fucking universe and You're, every single human being right, on this planet. Right, You are gods. <laughs> I know.
1: You guys are gods. We You're creating know. life within-
0: Fucking we know. We know. I don't, know. I don't think so. The, no. He, I don't think you guys know. You in know. Our, in our souls, yeah. we know. We're here to tell women, and I literally just had a guest on, her episode will come out next week. I don't know when this episode's going to come out, but she came on and she said, when the solution, when we think that the solution- to um, seeing just skinny models and all this stuff. And body positivity is getting naked in our bigger bodies. There's a problem because the solution is still focused on our bodies and not our minds. Right,
1: right. And the and the fact is you shouldn't be worrying about any of that because you don't have to do anything. You don't have to pose in provocative poses. And I, I was just with a friend of ours, I'll tell you off camera, but I mean, you know, you know him really well. And we were in- we were out of the country. Let's just put it that way. And I didn't even know that they had Tinder in other countries. But I mean, the mm. moment we landed, he's like doing this. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, two miles away, one mile away. And I said to him, I'm like, what are they, What do they want? And he's like, what do you mean? Like, he was perplexed. Mm-hmm. I was much more perplexed. I'm like, what are these women What are they going to get?
0: I think there needs to be a conversation too. And I want to dive back into recovery and how we got here. But I think that this conversation is really important too because, and there's great men, and I'm thinking off the top of my head, I believe his name is Preston Smiles, that's encouraging men though to rise up to their greatest potential, to recognize women as the goddesses that they are. So that way we can all expect more out of each other and start cherishing women for, you know what I mean? So I think it's a collective- I think
1: it's an amazing, unrealistic expectation. <laughs> Men are fucking idiots. Okay. They're just they're just what idiots. I'm speaking.
0: Expect f- I'm
1: I'm ex- I'm speaking for myself. we we we're, we're children stuck in these old man bodies. We're you're
0: primitive. I get all of this Primitive,
1: highly, highly insecure. And we think that we got to get with you in order to validate ourselves. And it's just, this, it's this vicious cycle. W- women are are more intelligent, more pain tolerant, more capable, uh, the actual gods living on this planet, creating life within their own womb. Women need to sit, to, to be still, go inward, recognize their superiority. Mm-hmm. And here, here's, and I'll stop with this. Stop giving it away stop giving it away don't go to cabo with some creepy old dude so you can take pics and post on your instagram right how about how about this how about date for a while, how about become friends with somebody? And how about let them know that if they are going to be with you or or be intimate with you, that they're gonna work for it and they're gonna deserve it.
0: Well, that's how, Evan, so Evan and I, do you know Pat Allen, Dr. Pat Allen? Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, so she's like a sober legend. But she talks about this too, about how all of these women in the world, they want to be cherished. And I don't even know how we got into relationships, but here we go. Yeah. How we wanna be cherished, but then we don't demand cherishing
1: hundred percent. And
0: that's what it is, is yeah. that we don't demand cherishing. And so- You do the opposite. Evan, we do the opposite. You do the opposite. Use me, use me, use me, yep. use me. And throw me because away. Because we want to feel that love. We want to feel that oxytocin rush. Yep. We want to feel all that stuff that used to come with that first date yep. and that first kiss and all that stuff. And I'll tell you, everyone's like, well, how did you get Evan? You know, he's older than you. He's this, he's that. He's hot. He, he's hot. He's got, you know, at that point he had over five years sober and I was like pretty new. I think I had a year. Yeah. Um, and I said, it's because we dated, we courted and we had, and that's literally been this, the, our entire relationship. We've been married for eight years now and people are like, how are you doing? I mean, you're defying all the odds and everyone's getting divorced and all this stuff. And I'm like, I think it's because we developed this friendship first, yeah, that, that, now is the most important thing in our relationship. And we've been best friends for eight years. Yeah, same. And it's this amazing gift. Yeah. You know? My,
1: my girlfriend and I were friends. I had just gotten out of a relationship and my girlfriend and I were friends and I needed a friend badly. And I dumped everything. I shared everything. I shared my deepest, darkest, sickest secrets with her. And she didn't judge and it was cool. But the crazy thing is, is six months later we're starting to feel feelings for one another, and our solution was, well, let, let's just go have a sorted tryst for the weekend. There, there was some circumstances surrounding us not being able to be together, which we'll get into it another time. But we decided to go have a sorted tryst, and then that would be it. And you know, here we are, four and a half years later, mm-hmm. madly in love, and there, there is. I, I think about this stuff as I'm doing it because this is a stupid example, but I bought one of those Japanese toilets um, mm-hmm. for yeah. for our bathrooms. And But it has a stand that will still hold toilet paper, even though it washes you and dries you mm-hmm. and all that. Women still need toilet paper. There is never a time where her toilet papers will go down to less than half because I will take the half one run it to my bathroom and I will put a full one on So you
0: think that men are such idiots and that they can't do this? They can. You guys can be cherishing and nurturing and loving and all of these things. I'm 50. I know, it does, it comes with age. It takes time. And I tell all of my girlfriends who are in their 20s that are like, why can't I date any of these guys? Evan is 15 years older than me. Yeah. He was done with all of the shit. He yeah. had worked on all of his psychoanalysis and all of the things that he needed to do. And I think that that played a
1: huge, yeah, huge I, part of it. I've made all the mistakes and let's get back to recovery with this. The genesis, the the seedling of my success came from this. I hated my mother. I hated my mother. I resented my mother. At the same time, I was desperate for my mother's love, love. and approval. But I hated her, right? I spent my whole life resenting this woman for not protecting me, for marrying such an awful man, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It wasn't until I was sober, I was in my 30s. My mom got sick. She called me up, she said she had cancer. I was shucking and jiving at that time. You didn't know me, you weren't around then. I was chasing newcomers, sleeping around, being a scumbag. I was sober. Right, I was without drugs and alcohol. But you
0: weren't emotionally sober. I was a, you weren't working then.
1: I was being a dirtbag, yeah. which is the only thing I ever knew. Yeah. So I get the call about my mom. Not only did I not have money to send her, I didn't even have money to visit her. And I went home that night. I was staying in someone's guest house because I was still homeless at this time. This is like eight months sober, a year sober, whatever. I went back to this guest house. It didn't have electricity, so very quickly the light left. And I was alone on on a blow-up mattress and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing because a couple of things, I realized what a piece of shit I was. I realized how horribly I had fucked up my entire life. And I was thinking about my mother who wanted me to come visit her and I couldn't even come visit her. I wanted to save her. I wanted to send her money. I wanted her to quit her job and I wanted to be the hero. And I realized in that moment that my mom did the best that she could My mom carried me in her womb. My mom allowed me to eat from her body, to take the minerals from her teeth and bones. Her hair got thin and fell out. I came out of her womb. She suffered through that. My father beat her, and I was born prematurely. She went through that. She nursed me from her own breasts. I shit on her, pissed on her. She cleaned it up. She held me. She did the best that she could, right? And that woman I had spent 33 years hating and resenting like a fucking idiot because I was the victim and someone touched my naughty spot and my mom didn't love me and my dad beat my mom. By the way, I didn't get high for any of those reasons. I got high because it fucking felt great and because I'm a selfish little shit. That's why I got high. And that all happened in that night. I realized I'd been living like a piece of shit And I had completely destroyed my life. And I made a pact that night with myself and with God that I was going to be fucking rich. And I was going to take care of my mom. And I was going to take care of any woman that ever came into my life to the best of my ability. If they want to work, great. If they want a career, great, right? But on my side... You better be able to pay that rent, that mortgage, that car payment, that whatever. You better be able to take care of them. If they want to go and earn their own, that's great, and they should. Women should do whatever the fuck they want. But as a man, I feel like it is my—and this is primitive thinking, but I feel like it's my responsibility to protect and provide. So, And a lot of people give me shit about that. I don't care. If you and I go to lunch, I'm paying. You'll have to fight me to the death to get that check out of my hand. It's it's one of the redeeming qualities about me is I understand what an absolute privilege it is to be in the presence of a woman. And I don't wanna be a taker anymore. I wanna be a giver. There are always fresh orchids in the shower that I designed for her, always. They start to die off, I put them in my shower and I put the new plant in hers, right? There is nothing that I won't do to show her how much I respect her and how much I love her. And at a certain point, I hope she wants to get married. And at a certain point, I hope she wants to have kids. I was going to
0: ask you. So that was such—when Evan and I got married shortly thereafter, I was pregnant with my first daughter. And I don't think that I really—I really understood at the time the significance of that, of— Ooh, and I'm going to get emotional talking about it. Breaking the cycle. Yeah. Like— what a fucking honor that is! Yeah, to be able to do that, and the gratitude for my parents—it's been—it's been a struggle on and off. Like there's been anger and resentment. Um, uh, my sexual abuse—that so was an incest situation, and same. Uh, my dad still talks to my abuser, and it's hard, but. And y'all, we don't know if I'm dealing with pregnancy hormones or PMS hormones right now.
1: <laughs> it could be the I don't matcha. I'm
0: emotional. <laughs> but um, what a gift. What every single time that I feel like overly stressed or whatever, like when my when I got home last night at 830 and I told you my daughter was peeking through the window, I could have been stressed and pissed and exhausted and been sitting in traffic for three hours and been like, oh, why isn't she in bed? I just wanted to crawl in bed myself. No, but I was like, what a gift yeah. that she's there, yeah. that she wanted to see her mommy because she trusts her mommy so much and she wanted to say how her day was and she wanted to know if her mommy would be at her valentine's day party wow. and she you know what i mean yeah. it's like that's a gift every time i get to brush their hair mm-hmm. or brush their teeth or take them to the dentist or teach them a lesson or pray with them at night i'm like this is a gift that i get to do this differently yeah. that i get to break that cycle that that had been my grandparents and their parents and their parents and Same. their parents Same. and really shift. You know, you and I were shifting this planet, but the people that we touch, our energy and our work are, are vibrating out. But to create children who are going to be conscious, like incredible humans yeah, is a fucking gift. Yeah. Kids who have never seen their parents drunk or loaded right you know what right I mean? right screaming at each other in front of them yeah they've never witnessed that once sometimes i i laugh my daughter's a little bit older now and i got to say to her at age seven when once she said you're such a mean mommy because I, <laughs> you know i wouldn't let her have the ipad or something like that right and i just laughed and i go you don't even know yeah. what mean is. no <laughs> You've shit never seen me <laughs> know what like you know what I mean like yeah. you know I didn't tell her but I was like he wanted to see the shit in my house I was like being choked up against the wall yeah. when I was a kid yeah like,
1: everything in the house broken yes. shattered on the floor yes. mother beaten on the floor and it's bloody father throwing me crazy. across That's the a
0: chaos so it's a gift and so I was going to ask you like do you want kids and 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 how do you feel about that?
1: It's up to her. I mean, I'm I'm old now and I reached 50 which I'm shocked and I feel amazing and I've done pretty good and yeah. so it it's I don't pressure her whatsoever. Yeah. At at a certain point if she says I want kids, I'm going to say fantastic. If she says I want to get married, I'm going to grab her by the hand and, <laughs> and jump on the next plane as and as go can. to Vegas and yes. marry her. Um But every woman out there deserves to be treated with respect. Every woman out there deserves to have a a man that's faithful to her and a man that's going to cherish her and a man that's going to love her. I know your man, and there are no better. I mean, Mm -hmm. he is not only gorgeous and beautiful, (laughs) but he is the kindest, (laughs) most loving- He's going to be listening to this going, yes, yes. You know, but (laughs) listen, anybody, Sean, if you ask Sean Landon, or if you ask Carrie, if you ask anybody in Malibu that's a man that knows Evan, they're going to say the same thing. I thought Evan and Jerry- Jared were gay the first <laughs> two years. No, because they were so nice we and they were still, so cute.
0: We still joke because they're Canadian. So yeah. everyone, they're like so nice. They're
1: they're beyond nice. And so talked about
0: tapped into their feminine energy. They yeah. both are like they really balance that well. But it's funny because when the treatment center was first born they, we lived there yeah. because we couldn't afford staff, yeah, right? Yeah. And so we would call it my two gay dad's
1: house. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, like, so I wasn't it, the only one. No, no, oh, okay. no, 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 okay.
0: no, I mean, it was a real thing. We were like, they're like lovers. Yeah. Well, know? they're
1: both amazing. And, yeah. and I want every woman out there, young or old, to know that they deserve that. They deserve somebody doting on them. She deserves this. Evan, She's amazing. Are you taking notes? <laughs> she, she deserves this. And let me tell you, let me give you a little insight into our relationship. I got a new car, super happy, had like a midlife crisis moment where I decided like, I'm not going to drive a soccer mom car anymore. I'm going to get a fancy car. So I got a fancy car and we're driving down the road. And um, I think my thing was like on 62 and hers was on low, which is even maybe 60 or 59 or whatever. And we're cruising down the road, and I notice I'm, I get pretty cold. And so I just do what I do. I reach over and I, I turn mine up to 72, and then I reach over and I turn hers up to 72. And I see her turn. And when she turns, I look over and she's doesn't react to a lot, but she's laughing, but she's trying <laughs> not to laugh. Yeah. So I look over and I'm like, What's so funny? And she's like, and I'm like, What? What is so funny? She goes, I it's funny that you feel that you need to control my temperature, <laughs> not just your temperature. And I realized in that moment, one of my biggest triggers and one of my biggest um, pet peeves was shaming.
0: Mm. I don't, I don't want to
1: be shamed. Yeah. Right now, I'm not saying it was right for me to try to control her side of the thing, but her reaction was so beautiful and so loving and maternal and priceless. She yeah. thinks it's funny that I'm controlling. If push came to, shove, came to shove, she could turn it back up and say, I'm hot. And I would say, okay. But the fact that she finds humor in my character defects is one of the reasons why four and a half years in that I'm like secretly praying that she finds... I mean, I call yeah. her mom. I text her mom. Like, like pictures of rings, like marriage, mm. you know? And she's like, listen, she she marches to the beat of her own drum. And if and when she's ready, she'll let you know. So I just want every girl out there to be treated with respect. And if you're not being treated with respect, like there's a saying, if you are still sitting at the table and they stopped serving love a long time ago, get up and walk away. That, that I, I want that to be one of the messages. And then the other one is, is like, look, we don't have much time, but you guys can look at my Instagram or if you want, you can buy my book. And if, if you can't afford my book, you can certainly DM me and I will send you one of my books. But if you look at the cover of my book at 109 pounds with the scabs all over my mm. face, and you know the shit that I've gone through, if a moron like me can get and stay clean and sober If a moron like me, an unemployable high school dropout convicted felon can not just write a book, even though I can't spell and can't type, right, but I could hire somebody that can, um, to to start Riviera Recovery, to start Sun Life Organics, to start Malibu Beach Yoga. Like I have created these incredible businesses that serve the community and help people. And you're talking about a guy that was living under a bridge, 17 years years ago. So if I can do that, you guys can do anything. There is no limit. Whatever limit you're telling yourself that you have, Mm. that's on you. Yeah. Because I'm going to shatter that falsehood and I'm going to let you know right here, right now, you want to write a book, you want to go to college, you want to have kids, you want to find a man that treats you with love and respect, whatever your thing is, whatever your dream is, then that's what you are capable of doing. And if you believe that you can, you can.
0: If you believe that you can, and then I also think so much of it is, um, is really, and I've been talking about this a lot, and I'm actually offering a course that'll probably already be March before this comes out, but I'm going to do this a couple of times a year now, where we really dive deep into our subconscious belief systems. Mm. And I think that that was the most powerful work for me, because what I realized was I was in my own way. I yeah. was in my own way. So, our subconscious belief systems are things that we develop as children, and it's a product of our environment. You had said earlier, I'm unlovable. And I'm not worthy mm-hmm. of, of your time, of your caring about me, of whatever. So we develop when when our needs aren't met in certain ways, whether it's our basic needs or our emotional needs, our physical needs, if they're not being met, then these subconscious belief systems start to develop and they become our thoughts yeah. and our thoughts become our words and our words become our reality. Amen. And so... All of these people, I think the yoga is great. I think eating well is great. I think going to therapy is great. But until you really can identify clearly what all of these limiting belief systems are, you're always going to be in your own way. And that was the biggest shift for me. And that's where I see when I see people who are in recovery who are not really active in that recovery. You talked about those early days of you. And I so relate to that where you're like still in the ego, still Mm -hmm. in all this stuff. Those are protective mechanisms. Mm -hmm protecting those belief systems, you know, of like, I'm unworthy, you know what yeah. I mean? That acting out sexually, that taking advantage of people, all of that stuff is my belief systems. And so when I see people struggling and 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 having a difficult time, I'm like, man, it's because this limiting belief system is in the way. And yeah. once you can identify that, it doesn't necessarily even just go away like that. It's just like, oh... That happened, and I'm feeling like this because of this belief system, and that's not who I am. Yeah. You know, I'm so much better than that.
1: I met a young man recently who told me that he's not intimate with his girlfriend that he lives with. And I said, well, then then you don't have a girlfriend. You have a roommate. And he said, well, I don't do that shit with people that I love. I do that with professionals. Mm. And there's no way for me to challenge that. Because he stated with anger, with intention, the way that he was. And the way that he was is the way that he defines himself. And it, it, it scared me because I thought there's so many people out there. Like I used to walk around two years sober and I used to look at couples and I would say out loud, I'll never have that. I would see somebody in a Range Rover and I would be like, fuck, everyone in this town drives a Range Rover. I'm never gonna have one of those. I'm never gonna be able to afford one of these houses. I'm never gonna, and guess what? As long as I said that, it was true. Well, guess what I just got? I got a Range Rover and guess what? I bought one of those houses. And I do have a relationship that is worth fighting for and worth investing in. And the reason that I have that stuff, because like you said, there was a shift. There was there was a bottoming out, an emotional bottoming out yeah. in recovery, and I and I'm not trying to paint myself as unique, but let's just say much more damage. They say some are sicker than others. I was one of those sicker than others. I needed the Byron Katie stuff. Mm. I needed the you know Eckhart Tolle stuff. I needed the Think and Grow Rich. I needed. The, I
0: think we all need this though, and that's what I think is, is is so frustrating is sometimes we can get so comfortable in the status quo and just so comfortable of like, well, it's just not going to happen for me. And it's like, I just want people to really hear this and to know that there's enough space for you. Yeah. But there's enough space for you and that you're deserving of whatever you need. If the top 1% can have billions and billions of dollars, then fuck, you can too.
1: Yeah. And by the way, if you hate the 1% so much, guys, anybody that's listening to this right now, especially if you do have an iPhone or you do have a computer <laughs> yeah. or you do have a TV. We don't you, hate them. No, you are the 1%. <laughs> yeah, Because oh, half the planet, too, yeah. half the planet today Doesn't. will live on less than $2. Half the planet. That means there's 3.5 billion people out there sleeping on dirt floors, scraping together anything they can to get clean water to bathe in, to put a roof over their heads because a typhoon or a monsoon or whatever just took their, their... corrugated tin shack roof away from them there are mothers out there millions and millions hundreds of millions of mothers that won't be able to feed their their kids today so we're all the one yeah. percent right if you if you struggle and you work your ass off maybe you become the one percent of the one percent but we are all super super blessed and there's no excuses here if you are able to listen to this podcast you are able to listen to other podcasts you don't have to go to college I didn't, no. I, didn't I didn't even finish high school you don't yeah. have to buy my book you can listen to a bunch of different podcasts Podcasts. And and I, and I want to say this—the last thing I want to say—had there been Instagram and Facebook around uh, when I first really hit my stride and started to make money, had that been around, I'd be broke right now. Yep. The only reason that I became successful is because I focused on what I needed to focus on to become successful. And strangely enough, I did start getting into Facebook once I started having some financial success, because of course we want to get on social media and do some humble bragging and crowdsource our self-esteem and, and feel better about ourselves, which is, it's a sickness. It's a lie, it's not real. But a couple years in, my girlfriend challenged me to go off social media for a year. And I ended up staying off for almost two years. And it was in that time frame that I wrote my book, mm. which is now being sold all over the world in four different languages, on Audible, sold out on Amazon four times now, five-star reviews, right? This moron that can't spell and can't type and couldn't finish his first year of sixth grade has a best-selling book out. And I also opened up Malibu Beach Yoga at that time, which I know your boyfriend and your boyfriend's clients have all you know come and utilized and the people in the community have come to utilize. So if you're on social media and you don't have everything you want, Get off. Yeah. Stop looking.
0: The best thing that I do for myself now is I've set a timer. You can do it in the phone. Yeah. And so whenever I've peaked, I've hit that hour and a half, it goes, or two hours, it goes, "Mm, get off, done, you're done, no more. And on all of the social platforms, even if it's it's just like the Facebook messenger or whatever- You know, because it is a highlight reel and it's easy to get really sucked in. So it's like, be intentional with it. Yeah. And I want you guys to, the biggest thing that I want you guys to take away from this is to spend more time looking into things that fulfill you, that bring you joy and, and go with it. My husband's story is the same. Like he has a degree, but it's in something totally different than what he's doing now. Evan and Jared blew all of their money. They had nothing when they started Aloe House, which is Used to be Acadia Malibu. Yeah. Um, we lived there. We sacrificed. We did this, and we did it all in the name of love mm-hmm. and passion because we wanted to do rehab different mm-hmm. than everybody else was doing it. And that's the only reason it's been successful is because we got into this with a passion, with a mission. Where we love our community. Over a hundred employees, you know, uh, growing and all of these things. And it's like. It grew out of a passion. And these two idiots, um, they're not idiots. They're I not love idiots. them
1: They're amazing. But you
0: know what I mean? Like these two ding-dongs from Canada who came Listen, down to Malibu and those, wanted to start those a two guys, <laughs>
1: Those two guys that I met over a decade ago, yeah. I have put, I can't even recall how many people I've sent through their place. And and when I say the majority, I mean like 80 to 90% of anybody and everybody that I've sent to Aloe House is doing amazing when I think about Sal, when I think about Anthony, when I think about all these different guys who I would have bet any amount of money that they would not make it. And and, and when I say I put these people through, please don't think that I'm some do-gooder and I spent all this money to send them through. I have, I, I have a friend who has unlimited resources, and he allows me to take the credit and to look good, but he's the one that's secretly signing the checks behind the scene. Yeah. But more to the point, these guys were no chance in hell. One one of the guys, Evan called me on the third day and said, "We we can't keep him. Th- this guy's not appropriate. It's like, hard. He's there's Sometimes there's it's there's no hard, yeah. this guy Khalil. This guy's such a mess." He should be in a mental hospital a lot. We can't do it, and I begged him. I said, Evan, please, please, please keep him. That guy is three and a half years clean Mm. and sober. That guy at 51 years old decided to swallow his insecurity and admit out loud what his biggest dream was, and his biggest dream was to act. Not be famous, but to act. At 51 years old, he decided he wanted to act. He's in two big movies now, not massive parts, but for him, it's everything. There's this amazing picture of him and John Travolta that he posts pretty mm. often, probably more often than he should, but it doesn't matter. The fact is to look at this guy who I would have bet any amount of money in the world that he wasn't going to make it. I sent him to Aloe House and he stayed in in treatment for a year, like most of the people do. And he slowly but surely over time got better and better and better. And to see him now helping other people, to see him now living his dream at 55 years old, acting in movies and, and, and living a great life. And uh, Anthony, who I also had the privilege of sending through allo, the fact that isn't he working with you guys now?
0: Oh, we have so many employees. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think I think he is. I think he's actually working now at Allo. We do
0: have a lot of people that come through that yeah, that eventually after two years or so come in and work for us. This was
1: a yeah. this was a dude that had a heart attack on the plane there. Like mm-hmm. like oh,
0: yes. was gonna die. Case.
1: Like mm-hmm. was one of the worst ever. And my buddy's like, I don't care. Please try to help him. I'll pay for everything. Mm-hmm. And we we put him through and Evan and Jared and the rest of the team and Bob Forrest, they buckled down they gave them the love and the tension that they give everybody there. And they're, and they're all doing amazing. And that's
0: what it's about. It's about love and connection, yeah. you know, and just like a judgment free zone. Like we don't care what the worst thing that you've done is like you're redeemable and you're worth it. Yeah. You know? and, and
1: by the way, all of us have done horrible things. Horrible. And so you ever want to, you ever want to not feel like you're a horrible human being, get and stay sober and sponsor people and yes. listen to a couple of fourth steps <laughs> and you'll go, wow, wow. <laughs> I'm like a nun compared to some of these people.
0: (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on today. And everybody, uh, if you have a Sun Life Organics near you, I have one right down the street from my house. I'm very blessed. Um, Check it out. Go in there. Get the vibe. We talked about Khalil's book, which is I Forgot to Die. It sounds like another one's coming out this year. Yeah, yeah, soon. Cannot wait for that. So, so stoked about that. And um, you can follow on Instagram. Yeah. Your Instagram's up and running now. Um, until next week, guys. Thank you. Thanks, guys. This week's affirmation is I am divinely guided, loved and protected each and every day. And so it is. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, head over to the podcast app and make sure to subscribe to us, rate us and leave a review. We have new episodes every Monday and you can follow along with us on Instagram at Recovering from Reality or visit our website at recoveringfromreality.com.